Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. A brew. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another exciting episode of Super Fan Chats. Uh, we are going to be talking about episodes 79 through 81, and this is me, Jeremy Cobb. Pronouns he, him, but it's not just me. I'm not talking about myself in the plural, what would that be, plural first person? There's two other people here to talk about it with me. Uh, Y'all can jump in in whatever order you want to introduce yourselves. <laughs> yeah, uh, Superfan Han is back. One of the Superfan Hans. One of the Not Lord hands. Crumpet, the other one. <laughs> and Superfan Pip. Yay! Woo! Yeah! Uh, this was a very fun trio of episodes. Yeah. We, we finally broke away from the horrific, uh, the horrific bug larvae <laughs> that were yep, implanted sure in the last trio. <laughs> um, yeah, should we just jump straight in with episode 79? Sure. Yes, let's go for it. So I was going to recap episode 79, Wilder Queen's Grace. Great. So speaking of the bug larvae, <laughs> this is where we finally begin to branch away from them because Gwendolyn's surgery was a success. And after she's woken up, the party discuss what they know of the Wilder Queen. When Grove Mother Vanala returns with food, they all play a game of questions, leading to a small experiment of Enkidu drinking holy water to test how demonic he could be. <laughs> After Gaius persuades the Grove Mother to transport them closer to Geremir Hastan's location, Juna made soup, Gwendolyn interacted with the Wilder Queen's effigy, and Enkidu joined Vanala in preparing some holy water. Over dinner, Juna shared a story of light and dark, and Vanala told them what she knew of henges, including a tale of the dancing maidens of Ash Henge. As the day dawned, Vanala opened a path to the corrupted area of the Crownswood. Pushing through the mud, they skirted a small lake, at which point a glowing light across the water signalled the return of the original Abraka lad, Orin. <laughs> and as he sploshed into the mud, a ripple drifted across the dark surface of the lake. Ending on quite the cliffhanger. It really did, yeah. That It was a, it was a really... Um, really chilled kind of episode for most of it it was mm. very much hanging out in nature shooting the breeze with vanala yeah it was good vibes kind of playing some games having a think telling some stories and then finally going ah best we gotta get get going <laughs> and uh then orin appears the end yeah. <laughs> and it's a nice set of episodes where we've got 
almost by the time we get to the, the third episode of like bringing us all up to date with this is what most of the party is doing and then a little bit later this is what Oren's been up to and then finally we kind of see everything kind of track back it's nice how we sort of get references back to that picking up on some threads that i think necessarily went like a little bit dormant Mm -hmm. previously you know just in terms of all the busyness of like the bugs and the surgery and this and that and then actually we're getting back to where are we going why are we doing it what's going on what's the bigger objective let's have a little probe maybe some looking into some personal objectives as well um and kind of it almost felt like a recollecting or like a regathering of everybody's sort of thoughts and kind of going whoa okay wait where are we (laughs) what's happening Mm. which i appreciated as someone who sometimes struggles to remember exactly who is who with all the really cool fantasy names yeah i'm getting to that point now yeah brings where i'm like garamir hastan he's the demonologist he is yeah he is okay Mm -hmm. cool i'm trying to keep that one straight because that is a particular arc that i find really interesting yes Mm -hmm. um but there are a lot of different names where i sometimes get a bit confused about who is <laughs> yeah mm. they are good names yeah. as well though yeah yes fantastic I, I would love to see a full uh wiki like npc list yes uh, because david this. has created yeah he's created such an array uh like zaravir and garamir really those yes. ones are the ones that really like that those are the two that i'm like man and then some of but they're both good names is the thing <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. a, it's a it's quality stuff but i would love to see a full uh npc list so it'd be easier to kind of keep track of the large oh my God, cast that, that would be developed. great Yes, yeah. David. Please, can we have this list? Petition for someone, not me, to make a no small <laughs> roles wiki, which also has like an interactive map. I would you can click that. on the region and see who they met where. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and which episodes those are? <laughs> so you'd like yeah. click on the the grove and you see Vanala, mm-hmm. and that would be really cool. Or you'd you know click another place and you'd see all the other characters, like all the children of Havoc or something like that. Mm-hmm. That would be great. Um, so if anyone's a dab dab hand and wants to make a fan wiki yep. that has an interactive map uh someone do that that would be cool that would be so cool yeah it would be cool i feel like we get so much more fan art as well because we'd need a picture of all of the characters oh yeah that would be cool yeah that would be amazing i did once do a doodle of gwen uh and that was really fun oh. like i do enjoy a little bit of fan arty stuff but i haven't done drawing for ages but maybe this year i'll have more time to draw bits of no small roles because it's really fun yeah yeah they're fun to draw i would also like to advocate uh a no small roles uh baldur's gate 3 uh like co-op where people create all the characters because you can make <laughs> oh they're so excited I think right now. most of them to some extent jeremy before we got on mic i was just telling pippa how i got baldur's gate 3 as a christmas present and i'm obsessed is yeah. it really good <laughs> it's so good i'm yeah. so obsessed as soon as we get stopped Talking about no small roles, I'm going to go back to Baldur's Gate. That's where I'm going to be. (laughs) Full disclosure, that's where I'm at for the next several hours. But this is a no small roles podcast, not a Baldur's Gate podcast. I did make a Dwayne Fabulosa. I think I posted it in the Discord. I made a Dwayne Fabulosa. Yeah, his hair hair is different than it should be, but the the game has limited curly hair options. But uh, I think uh, Gwendolyn is his uh, guardian. I made Gwendolyn as his guardian. Yeah. Oh my God, that's so good. Yeah. That's so. so, so good. Yeah, I definitely think, yes, I, I would be down for that, basically. <laughs> but I, back to, back to No Small Roles, I like, I cheered, I was, I was walking around a Walmart, 
uh, when I was listening to this episode, and I like had the instinct to cheer when 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 Inkita was like, "Hey, can you please tell me more about what exactly I am?" Because I've been yeah. like, like, and it may just be the way that my brain works, but if I'm in a position where there's all these like top secret operations that we're a part of, and there's large scale like there's multiple large scale political groups that we are interacting with, mm-hmm. and one of our ma- members is possibly a synthetic version of themselves who is maybe being spied upon by some sort of like nigh omniscient uh, artificial intelligence yeah. that is in that happens to have a golem army at their disposal so, yes. and may also have made them into a sleeper cell of yes. some variety that would Probably, be top priority i would have right? like i really feel like this is what i mean about collecting the threads yeah. that may yeah. have become loosened or dropped. It's yeah. like, and I think it is a, a real credit to to Daryl that he's such a team player that, you know, everyone's individual backstories really do get a lot of equal airtime. Yeah. Like it's a really, on, it's such an ensemble cast. Mm-hmm. But with a story like that, with a plot beat like that, it would be so easy for that to take center stage all the time. Because as you said, Jeremy, like what the, yeah. <laughs> yeah like that's he's such a pot- potential liability like we gotta are there some spells we can cast to sever somebody's hold over him like non-detection or something that we can somebody who can cast stuff teach it like the, these that would be where my mind would have gone so mm-hmm. the fact that we finally circled back around to that i was like oh thank you thank you yeah yeah, uh, yeah. my god yes it was really gratifying mm-hmm. to have that moment where it was like Oh, finally, they actually like are curious about it and like trying to get the answers that we all want to hear. Not a huge amount of answers, but I did also think that drinking holy water was an interesting experiment. That was a cho- yeah, it was a choice. Yeah, I would not have, honestly of all the options, I would not have expected infernal as like a likely option. You know what I mean? Considering mm. they didn't, I don't recall them really witnessing or sensing anything that was particularly infernal while they were there. Not that any of them are like clerics or paladins. Yeah. But I, I got the vibe that he's probably more like he's synthetic in some yeah. way. Yeah. Although there was that thing about, well, so this is, I'm curious about, because this is a homebrew world that David's made. Yeah. I'm curious about whether David has a distinction like sort of more classic Faerun D&D does between devils and demons mm-hmm. and whether demonic and infernal are different in this particular setting. Um, because that would make quite a difference, wouldn't okay. it? Because I don't yeah. think demons have a similar, the same reaction to holy water that devils do. Mm. And Gerema Hastan is a demonologist. Yeah. So would that might change things a little bit, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. then... Who knows? It really is dependent on sort of the lore of David's world. And I don't think that's something we've particularly had much indication of. Although I've heard maybe in previous campaigns there was something to do with Lolth. So maybe. Yeah, that was a big thing. I don't know. Was there? You said, Pip, you were saying there was a big thing about Lolth? Yeah, in a, in a previous campaign set in this world that, that David ran, which is part of the reason that this, this world is like so rich and detailed as he's mm-hmm. been working on it for a really long time and run other campaigns in it. I think there was a lot of plot involving Lolf, but then mm-hmm. he could have completely changed it for no small roles. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, it's hard to know. Um, so I guess that's a question for baby David. And I think Vicky's the only, I might well be wrong about this, but I think Vicky's the only cast member who's been in both. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So just, yeah, just questions about 
you know, would Holy Water have done anything if he had demonic stuff going on? Which has been indicated that he does, particularly with to do with all the patrons and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, there is the question of of Erida has has that been tampered with yeah. because of the replacement of the synthetic? Yeah, yeah. Like, is he a construct? Maybe. Have we determined whether uh, healing spells still work on him, though? Right. Yeah, has, has somebody they seem to, I think so. Yeah, I'd have to look at the exact rules, but there are specific, uh, depending on the healing spell, it doesn't work if you're not a humanoid. Actually, let me, let, let's do that right now. We're talking about, we're talking Go about the episode, it. and this is a topic that gets brought up in the episode. Uh, let me see. Mm. It would be, I think, cure wounds or healing word. There might be, like, a reason that it wouldn't work. Let me see. Okay. Uh, let me see. Cure wounds. Let me look at the actual language of the spell. Cure, and again, they may have homebrewed it, so this may not be a hundred percent accurate. But cure wounds, a creature you touch. Mm. Uh, but this spell has no effect on undead or constructs. So okay. we'd have to go back and look to see if anyone has used uh cure wounds on Enkidu since he died. Yes, and whether it's been successful. I accept yeah. that yeah. challenge. Um, <laughs> Lawmaster Pip no, no, digging no. back through the archives. Oh boy. <laughs> Healing Word also has no effect on undead or constructs. Interesting. Man, Healing Word is such an annoying spell. I just... <laughs> you, you really hate it? So You think it's going to be really useful and then you uh, realize that if a party member is unconscious, they can't hear, so it doesn't work on them. I don't. I don't know if I would. Well, it depends. It I guess it depends on your DM. And also, healing what, word does not they specify they have to be able to hear you. Healing word oh, says does a it creature. Not? I thought no, it, it did. Says, no, it says a creature of your choice that you can see within range. Oh, that's why it can work even if somebody's like deaf, for example. Oh, that's really interesting because I have definitely played games where the rule has been: well, if you can't hear it, it doesn't work. Yeah, okay. I mean, it depends on the DM, but in the the Which spell is itself that is not specified. Ableist. That. Now I'm wondering: yeah. is that ableist towards deaf characters? Potentially, yeah. Because are you having to like learn sign language in order to heal them? You have to like <laughs> wave and like do it's sign. A somatic. That's the somatic component. Yeah, yeah. is Tr- signing the getting healing their word. attention. Yeah, and does that count for things like word of radiance as well? Mm. Ooh, yeah. Let me actually look with word of radiance. Um, you utter a divine. Yeah, no, it's each creature of your choice that you can see. Okay. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, good job avoiding mm-hmm. some ableism there, D and D. But in the ca- in the uh, in the case of healing word and those other healing spells, if they have ever worked on Enkidu, unless it's one of those situations where the group just didn't really like look it that in depth on it, mm-hmm. uh, or if if they just changed the rules so that those spells can work on constructs, yeah. which is entirely mm-hmm. possible, uh, then it's possible that Enkidu would not be considered a construct. It, yeah. Again, mechanically speaking, he seems the most similar to a reborn or a warforged in that he doesn't yeah. need mm-hmm. to eat, he doesn't need to sleep. He just sort of sits there and like can, like just sits there motionless, basically. Yeah, It's such an interesting point of like, we still don't really know what he was before, what happened to him and what he is now. Yep. In all instances, like we don't know how he got all his friends in his head. Mm. We don't know what that made him into or what he was before that event. And we also don't know exactly what Erida did to make him into what he is now and what that is. So like, he's just such an enigma. Yeah. That's <laughs> he's so mysterious. I'm I'm amazed that at the restraint that the whole that the party has shown in never like grabbing each other and be like, 
okay, we're going through this whole thing right now. <laughs> you were just, you're just going to tell me, look, I know you've got your secrets, your things you're trying to work through. My guy, you died and came back as some kind of robot man. We yeah. gotta, we're, we're going to have to come clean on this one. And prior to that, there was an explosion. You blacked out for years and came to with several of your friends inside your mind. Yeah. Exactly. The fuck? And they're still here somehow, even though you're a robot man. Exactly. What? Yeah. What is this? I really wanted to be like, Juna, detect thoughts. Here we yes. go. The moment you've been waiting for. Sit him down. <laughs> yes. I 100% agree. Uh, Prize open those secrets. Damn it. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I can't wait. Like, I, I hope that at some point either Enkidu completely, like, comes clean, and, as well as the rest of the party, and is just like, all right, here's the deal. We're casting a zone of truth. We're all going to intentionally fail it. We're all just going to come Ooh. clean and say exactly <laughs> what's happening here. Um, or That would be such a fun drinking game. Yeah. Oh, my word. That would be such yes. a fun in-character drinking game where it's like, okay, we all get drunk, intentionally fail zone of truth, and yeah. then play truth or dare. Yes. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, that's brutal. That actually does sound I mean, like I a think lot of fun. Though. We should suggest this. If we don't get all the answers by the end of the campaign, they just have an episode where we have Ask Me Anything with Zone of Truth. Yes. yes. <laughs> Bonus content. Yeah. Yes. Like a one shot where they're all just hanging out. <laughs> like all yep. the characters are hanging out. Zone of Truth drinking. Yeah, that sounds like yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. I would yeah. love that. That would be so good. And Dwayne needs to be involved as well. <laughs> oh heck yeah Dwayne is also there inexplicably because <laughs> he kind of can't, also there. He can't really fail all these things right so <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's well he can fail the wisdom save that's the one thing thankfully it's not a perception or, or excuse me persuasion or deception mm -hmm. it's it's a I think it's a wisdom saving throw and if you you can choose to fail it and the person knows whether you failed it or succeeded okay. uh the only actually the only kind of character that could fool that still would be I believe a mastermind rogue when they get to like level 11 or something okay. they it becomes impossible to to tell uh to force them to tell the truth mm. i'm pretty sure it's something like they they still have to like roll persuasion or deception but like mind reading doesn't work on them they you you will hear whatever they want you to hear so wow. if you see the truth it's because they wanted you to and the same thing applies with zone of truth they can fool zone of truth into thinking that they did fail and then but that's not what uh Dwayne is he's an eloquence bard so yeah oh my yeah. god i love i love a rogue they're so fun preferred character class to play is this my one is a rogue always <laughs> i'm a little surprised that nobody like multi-classed into rogue mm. like gaius in particular i feel like he would be so i mean with his sort of criminal background would be such a good pick for a, a, a rogue bard especially yeah. the masked bard i mean come on yeah <laughs> chris think about it yeah chris think about it the last chris, few episodes think about it. <laughs> chris chris have you thought about multi-classing think about it <laughs> thief thief rogue it's it's pretty decent it's pretty good oh my god it's great yeah it's great so it's cunning actions so helpful very true yeah cunning action is very very useful um was there anything else that we wanted to talk about in this particular episode i mean there were amazing stories yeah oh juna was that the one juna had the whole story that was really cool we had yeah, yeah the light and dark one yeah that was sick. Good job, Vicky. Yeah. Yeah. She writes such great stories. Yeah. That are so in character and like so in keeping with the themes and the vibe of the lore of the world. Yeah. Just like, 
Hats off. Yeah. And so it was so great. impromptu as well. I mean, like, I think she said it wasn't even really finished, but it sounded amazing. Yeah. Like, if that's unfinished, my word. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like when it's done. Yep. Yeah, right? And the drow translation as well. That was really cool. Yeah. Mm. And I, yeah, I really liked the idea, because uh, this was also the episode where they told the story about uh, the Orcosians who yes, were like the nine trying maidens. to- yeah, trying to trap fire, and yes. that uh, Carhilda was one of them, but had, like, not shown up to the ceremony mm-hmm. for whatever reason, or just wasn't involved, was not trapped. Mm, yeah. 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 So cool. Which is fascinating. I'm trying to work out how that ties into the Carhilda story that we got from the Spoon winners, because they had a different sort of story about Carhilda and how they were danger and that sort of thing. Yeah. Did they go into specifics yeah. about what Carhilda? Because I knew that it was like anyone with the name Carhilda represents potential threat, but mm-hmm. I don't remember the specifics of the story. I don't think they gave much more than that. No. I do think it was quite it was quite vague that the name Carhilda was sort of an an ill omen. Yeah. But then, sort of through digging around about it and doing some sort of last minute research in the moment, they kind of, I think, Gwen didn't she? Did she? do a sort of check with one of the gods or something where she found, or someone did just to get the oh, sense yeah. of actually Carhilda is very, it's kind of almost like what you make it. Like yes. there will be a great battle yep. and it will be, Carhilda will be part of it. Like danger is coming if Carhilda appears, but mm-hmm. actually Carhilda could be It was almost the protector the as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost but like because, you can't separate the two. Exactly. So because it's linked to the danger, there have been sort of, it's become this very ill omen, but actually yeah. there's a lot more choice and ability to change fate around that. Yeah. And I think it's so cute that this episode is the one where um, Gwen, after her surgery is successful, she has a look and, and like has a scar and oh, she's I like, know. I'm fate marked now, I kind know. of. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, you are. <laughs> when? <laughs> that was very cute. That was super cute. Also, badass, badass scar edition. Yep. Oh, the... Yeah. Yeah. Can't just have Gaius. Exactly. Everybody's got a scar by the end of this. Everybody's I think they all do scar. now, actually. Genuinely, they all do, don't they? Oh, yeah. Doesn't Enkidu have his weird marking? Enkidu had some uh, marking on his hand. Mm-hmm. And Orin's got his Orin's got interesting his leg brace yeah. thing going stuff on. going on. Gwen's got a scar. Juno's got Juno's all her got tattoos. A bunch of tattoos. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think so. Gaius is missing half his face. Yeah. <laughs> Full Phantom of the Opera. Um, yep. <laughs> I was also. Let me see. In this particular episode, I okay. So one last thing about Carhilda before I jump to the next mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, yeah. Carhilda. It could be that Carhilda what be like betrayed them. And joined with the fire spirit. Ooh. I like and that. And it could be that, like, because we don't really know whether what they were doing was appropriate. Yeah. You know what I mean? We just know that they were trying to do it. We don't know that the yeah. fire spirit was necessarily good or evil. Or if the fire spirit was at all, like, aligned in that way. Mm-hmm. The fire spirit could have been a pretty neutral entity and Carhilda could have meant uh recognized that trying to imprison it and take its power was wrong yeah and joined mm. with it to then imprison the maidens in return it could have been something like that yeah yeah maybe Carhilda was the fire spirit <gasps> Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. I love that I love the I think David does this really well is that like really morally gray like mm-hmm. there are so many stories about different things where actually nothing is black and white it's all about perspective yeah it's so open to interpretation and- yeah, mm-hmm. trying to figure out 
who's good, who's bad. You know, they meet some people and there's an instant dislike. Like Heron Ilwyn, you're like, oh, there's the children of Havoc. <laughs> this is all dodgy. But at the same time, are they, are they against other baddies that are also bad? So yeah. are they actually good? Or But they're really dodgy. So it's this real like push-pull of, of like, there's no clear sides yeah. of anything. Just many different perspectives and truths. And it's just such good storytelling. All those juicy threads. Yeah. Speaking of good storytelling, though, should we move on to episode 80? Oh, sure. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Excellent. I am going to recap episode 80, which was called Whistle Stop Artificer, a.k.a. Orin and Petra's Week of Fun. I love it. That's such a I misleading title. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so after sending the rest of the party towards Kissing Beck, Orin and Petra remained at the tipple. Petra apologised to Orin and explained that she needs his help and the pair agreed to work together. Whilst possessed by Petra, Orin's recollection of events was hazy at best, and he found himself in the company of Wayland Delaveau and Lord Berrien. Berrien was aware that Orin had a connection to Prevost, but the both of them were evasive about their plans and motives going forwards. Afterwards, in an upstairs tavern room in Mervai, Orin warned Petra that Lord Berrien might not be entirely trustworthy, and with a very full stomach from Petra's overindulging, they started to work on Orin's consortium application. Later, Petra and Orin snuck into the Halkron Palace and were almost discovered after an ill-timed scrying spell from Juna. They met Sigrid, and Orin asked her for more information about the Henges. Upon leaving the palace, there was an alarming incident, where Chargrel, as fake Petra, discovered them, and the pair only just escaped to Lyodon's downfall in the Woden Isles. Once Orin had recovered from his wounds, they teleported to the University of Aeland and bumped into Dwayne! <laughs> With Dwayne's help, they managed to locate the party, and as promised, Petra returned Orin to the party through a portal, continuing her mission in Dwayne's company instead. Yeah. And it was lovely to have you back, Jeremy. That was such a, a welcome surprise. Oh, thank you. Genuinely didn't know that was going to happen, and it was very exciting. Yeah. It was so cool. Yeah. It was wonderful to get to be back. It was really, really fun. <laughs> uh I was, yeah, I, I, listening to it, I said this before we started recording, but mm -hmm. I don't remember when we recorded it, uh, but I'm afflicted uh, at this point to always forget basically everything I've recorded. Uh, and so while I knew that I was in the episode, <laughs> I didn't have any memory of what actually happened or what I had done. So I was like listening to you. You were possessed like, by Dwayne and had no recollection. Yeah. The events were hazy. <laughs> it's not even me performing, darling. It's Dwayne yeah. performing yeah. through me. Um, yes. I I had zero memory of what we'd actually done. So listening back to it, I was like, oh, dang, this is yeah. cool. Uh, it was a blast. That was a real, I do remember it being a very fun time. And I guess you had no context going into it either. No, just I just knew that because Ben was on tour in America, mm -hmm. Uh, he hadn't been able to record with the rest of the gang, so I jumped in as like an extra special guest during his side episode, but I yeah. knew nothing about it except that he was in another place, <laughs> and I can't remember if they had released even the episode where he'd been possessed by that point. I can't even remember if they'd released it by then. He pro they probably hadn't, because that was relatively recent, I think. Well, it's been a couple months, though, right? In yeah, but they've like had a lot of other like side adventure releases in between and stuff, so yeah. I think it was quite a slow trickle of the main campaign episodes. Yeah, I think all the, I might be wrong, but I think all the Deacon horror stuff came out. That's true, yeah. In between. Yeah, I think you're correct. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. And a familiar, a familiar problem. That was another one. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yep. Yes. Yeah. 
So I think it may, I think I may have heard, I think I knew that, I don't think I'd heard the episode yet. I think cool. I knew that Oren got possessed or something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I have very, I had very little memory of it other than that. But yeah, it was a blast. It was really, really fun to get to do that. Was it, was it a surprise for Ben as well? I mean, did he, did they know you were sort of sitting in the Zoom waiting to come on and then David let you in straight away or? Oh, I can't remember. I think it may have been a surprise. I, I, you know, yeah, I'm a look it on sounded Facebook. kind of like a surprise. Yeah, yeah, because I think I think Baby David would have messaged me on Facebook. I'm gonna see if I, yeah, can, I'm gonna see if I can find the messages. <laughs> Everyone else, keep talking. I'm just gonna look. That's right. Up. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I think what I love about it as well is like Dwayne and Orin are like polar opposites. Yeah, didn't really interact much. Yeah, they didn't really chat much. There wasn't a huge amount of like. Dwayne Oren one-on-one bonding time when they actually yeah, did Yeah, I mean, there was nothing really, yeah. So there's this random Oren guy and I think you played that so well, Jeremy, and I know yeah. you mentioned it in the last Superfan chats <laughs> where like, yeah, he, where's this person from? Oh yeah, Gwen, was with Gwen, yeah. right, okay. But also like, sorry, who is this dude? What's, <laughs> why, who is this small human? Is he a human or a half, he's a halfling. Is he a halfling or a human? Dwayne's a halfling. Uh, Dwayne's a halfling, no, Oren. but Oren's a human. Yeah. Oren is a human. Just Oren's a very just a small very one. short human. Yeah. Okay. Who's associated a lot with gnomes in the past. Yeah. yeah. My theory is that he's maybe part gnome. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Half gnome. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe like a third. Think <laughs> with the artificing as well. <laughs> yeah. I don't mm-hmm. know. Or maybe there was some magical like influence from the gnomes when he was with them. Mm. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And I guess if you think the last time that those two interacted, there was, you know, big musical party on the boat and then the boat blew up yeah neither, yeah. neither of which i mean apart from Orin making the the battery creature much bigger with you know more fire R. spells R. and things like that he r.i.p horse friends yeah i know oh. miss you. Yeah, we, we miss you <laughs> <laughs> we miss you every day but yet there wasn't a lot of interaction uh, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah I think they they had basically not spoken, and I think that was why. Like, I don't even I don't think I li- re-listened to the episode, but I'm pretty sure they barely interacted at all. Yeah, yeah. It was he was just very much that guy who was there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and who was the, there and kind of a bit yeah. bit awkward. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think I said this in the in the uh, the Discord, but basically Dwayne remembers Gwendolyn. He remembers <laughs> Judah because Judah's the one who kept violating his his mind. <laughs> yes, uh, and he remembers and yelling guy. at him. Yeah, and also <laughs> yelled at him a lot. Yeah, and then Guy is also a bard and is the one who forced him to tell the truth. So those are the main three that he remembers. But he he remembers that Orin and Enkidu exist. He just doesn't Mm -hmm. remember their names uh, (laughs) or necessarily where he knows them from. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) which is fair. Yeah, And it's so funny, I don't know if you guys have this, but sometimes like I remember people's faces, but I find it really hard to figure out who they are because I, I, I only know them from a context. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I know I know you. I know I should smile at you and talk to you, but I have no idea what your name is, yep. where I know you from, yep. what's going on here. And then as soon as the context comes in, I'm like, oh, yes, it's all coming back to me. Mm-hmm. But it's and sometimes that's been awkward where I've seen people who I think, oh, maybe they're my friend. But actually, they've just been someone I've seen on TV a lot or something kind of smiled <laughs> at them and they look at me awkwardly. And then I'm like, oh, no, I'm sorry. Just being friendly is fine. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just someone who thinks you're my friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what, because we never really got a full report on what exactly had, uh, uh, what exactly was said, right? Mm. We never, or sorry, what exactly was done while uh, while Oren's body was being controlled. Like we got an idea, but we don't know yeah. exactly 
who they're organizing with and against. Mm-hmm. Like the 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 yeah. yeah. I, what do we think about that? The the murkiness of all of that. David. Uh, yes, <laughs> David. <laughs> I think it was. I mean, it was brilliant, and I would have also hated to have been put on the spot of. Here are two very important characters. Here's a here's a Delavo, and here's Lord Berrien. Off you go, Ben. Yeah, that was that was big. Like I love the fact that you just drop him straight into a a face to face meeting with Berrien with no preparation whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he handled it really well. And there's always going to be that retrospective thing of like, if only I'd asked this, or but then would Orin have done that anyway? Because he's always made it quite clear that he doesn't want to get involved with the political side of things and wants to separate himself from that as much as he can. So mm. I think, yeah, maybe maybe that was for the best. Yeah, and Orin is not the talker of the group, let's be real. Oh, no. <laughs> hard hard to get words out of that kid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Any words at all. <laughs> yeah. He's a shy boy. And apart from... Um, um, um. <laughs> <laughs> remember his like his potentially secret love interest that we haven't I feel like we haven't mentioned that dude in the way but it was like was it a colonel or like a chief or some military dude yeah I yeah. think so yep yeah, yeah guys tried to poke military. him for some answers yep. yeah he didn't get very far oh, he's so secretive Juno detect thoughts <laughs> now that Dwayne has legend lore if he ever meets up with the group they just need to sit yes. down and be like okay Cracking the knuckles. Let's let's just <laughs> yeah. do this thing. <laughs> Between Dwayne and Juno, be like, let's yeah. violate everyone's fucking privacy. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Who is this guy? It's ten. Yeah, it's yeah. wide open, everyone. Yeah. It's gonna be like a meta, no small questions. <laughs> yeah. It's just Dwayne over the course of weeks casting uh legend lore over yeah. and over and over again. I love it when there are very few players but multiple characters, so David has to interact with himself. Yes, that was such a it's such a delight to hear. He's so good at it. Yeah, and like having DM campaigns where that's happened, where there's been like multiple NPCs <laughs> and the party have decided to let them talk to each other. Like personally, I have felt awkward as hell having to do that. Basically, like role play <laughs> an entire conversation between two people that are both just me. Yep, but David mm. does it so well. <laughs> he really does. <laughs> I think this whole episode was really, really well put together from, like, a stylistic and structural standpoint. The idea of, like, us... Because, obviously, there was no way for us to be able to see every single moment of what Orin was doing. And we had a lot of time to cover. So I think it, yes. I think having him just be... have whole chunks of time that he basically loses was a very effective way of doing it while also obfuscating all of the details and keeping an air of mystery so that we don't have to then explain David doesn't have to then sit down and give exposition for the entire plot because we I mean we don't know exactly what all is is was said but I get the I get the impression Mm -hmm. that uh I get the impression uh that that our gang does not know nearly as much as like Petra does. That Petra is kind of in on, like she's up on pretty much everything that's been going on. That's my impression anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, she's trying to find out having been trapped in a jar for the last however many years, but True. she has this like base mm-hmm. knowledge of a lot of other stuff from a who the, she was like the 30 years ago before and mm-hmm. B from like the being able to kind of listen in into whatever was going on around during yeah. that time and absorb whatever information that she could. Um, yeah. So she's definitely got 
an edge when it comes to certain bits of information, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Given what, what's been alluded to with the Delavos and that they're not potentially a very good, nice family, are we... Did you either of you have minor alarm bells when Petra um, said that they were the one that supported the application to the consortium? Hmm. Did you catch that? Yeah. I, I get the impression that there's a lot of like that we're getting more and more a theme in this campaign of um, having to ally yourself with people that you may not fully agree, especially when, whenever you get into politics, you're going to have mm-hmm. to make alliances with people who are just like, Ugh. Um, my there's if anyone here listens to three black halflings and you probably heard me waffle on about this game but uh my favorite video game is three black or it's not three black oh my goodness is disco elysium i mean that would be amazing that would be wild uh the three black halflings <laughs> video game coming straight uh yes, please, no but please, it's please, disco please. elysium yeah. Uh, oh i love disco elysium it's so good it's so yeah work of genius well and that's a character there's the specifically i'm thinking of evrart and the fact that if you there's a character in the game who is a very political figure there's a lot of politics and and a lot of the plot deals with the political situation of the world that you're Mm -hmm. in and there's one character in particular whom uh, who has all sorts of information about you and about stuff that you need but in order to get that stuff, you have to help him advance his aims. And he's clearly he's clearly a corrupt he's and bad not a guy. Good guy. Yeah. But mm-hmm. there are certain things that you just never will get if you don't help him. <laughs> and as much as he's not a good guy, there's a case to be made that what he wants is ultimately better for that part of the city than what all the other factions want. So even though he himself is arguably well, maybe not the worst, because there are some pretty bad people on the other sides as well. But he's not, you're not, hel- like, there's, you can't ally yourself with a, pur- a purely good person. Um, yeah. Similar to, like, Fallout New Vegas, that's another game where, mm-hmm. like, there's all these different factions, and all of them are bad or flawed in their own ways. Uh, and mm-hmm. all of them have positive things they could offer the region. It's the same thing here, I think. There are a bunch yeah. of different factions. I don't think any of them are going to be completely good. Like, even if the people running them are okay, they're definitely in league with some people who are unsavory. That's my prediction. And I think that's what's yeah. happening here, is that Petra is not necessarily a bad person herself. No. Uh, although the violation of Orin's bodily autonomy did have yeah, my hackles raised cool. a lot <laughs> that's more. That's not cool at all. Yeah. Orin took that in stride. Uh, I was sitting there like, mm, I don't know about this one. I don't yeah, feel good that about was this. Real, that was real uncomfortable. And I Especially think... the, um, I sorted out the toilet thing for you. That was like... <laughs> and I've stuffed uh... you full of food. It's like, okay. Yeah. Oh, boy. Some really, like, bad, edgy like uh, this isn't cool and like yeah yeah, Orin took it in stride but it does make me think a bit about like what's Orin's life been like and what's his concept of the boundaries he's allowed to have about Mm. himself and his person Mm -hmm. and in order to survive has he has he had to sacrifice certain boundaries so he doesn't Mm. know that he's actually allowed to say that's not cool uh don't do that yeah and it just, I don't know, it just makes me feel for Oren. makes me want to protect him. makes me want to be like, no, you, you're allowed to say no and yeah. stop people. Like, please. Yes. My heart. Boundaries. Yeah. My but heart. The way it was presented did not, did not seem to be intentionally saying like, see, 
Petra's low-key bad. It seemed more yeah, no. like that's just kind of... She even apologized, and she seemed kind of, like, remorseful and that it was something that she couldn't really help. Like, it was sort of... She, yeah. she felt like she... Because it had been so long, so it's a little understandable. But it could be that either she's just not a great person herself, or that in general, in order to get to those kinds of prominent positions, you have to be in league with some unsavory people. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's probably true, right? Because like even the parties allied themselves. Well, I'm going to go back to Heron Ilwen where it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. this guy seems legit. What? No, he doesn't. Or is he? <laughs> but also, no. Is he a good person doing bad things to achieve good aims? Is he a bad person doing bad things to achieve less bad aims? Is like, what's, the morality is so murky on all yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest, when, when you ask uh, did alarm bells ring i'm like yes all the time with everything <laughs> yeah, alarm bells with everywhere. Everything. none of this is safe yeah. none of this yeah. is good this is all very scary and unnerving <laughs> yeah and it is that real thing of like who can you trust how much what should you reveal what shouldn't you reveal is this going to mm-hmm. blow up in your face is actually this a good alliance but you should be wary can you trust this alliance like i'm thinking about kirda as well where it's like yeah I want to trust that guy. I want to figure out because I want to know so much more about like the balance and Juna's story and what that mm-hmm, means and mm-hmm. what Kierda knows and what Kierda's been told is another, you know, another part of that story. But then at the same time, there's some stuff where I'm a bit like, oh, yeah, it's kind of shady. There's some weird, there's weird stuff that makes me go, is he a friend or it? But then he feels like a friend, but then he's not, you know, it's just mm-hmm. so many people where you're like, I think I could trust you. 70 percent yeah (laughs) yeah we just have to put numbers on it all now yeah (laughs) yeah that is but i think the fact that it's gotten to that point is especially in a story like this with a game like DD, which i think DD, in that it's a power fantasy lends itself more to like cut and dry this is the way things are they're good or they're bad even when it comes to successes and failures a lot of dms will add more of like a graded success system but ultimately it's either supposed to be you succeed or you fail and i think the dm Mm -hmm. i think the dungeon master's guide i uh may include something like well you can like you know mess with it a bit but it's not like uh, for example a powered by the apocalypse game uh where you can have partial successes uh or partial you know like it's oh you sort of succeeded so you got some of what you wanted but you also lost something uh and i think i think the fact that they're telling a story where you can potentially succeed but you're likely to lose something of yourself like oh yeah sure you yeah. you made it through um the winthrop the winthrop uh like uh family trials yeah. but you lost enkidu and also you found out like maybe these guys are completely evil and have an army of <laughs> of robots that they can use to wipe out like as much of the kingdom yeah. as they want uh stuff like that where it's like there's mm-hmm. always sort of a mixed success uh, which mm. I enjoy those kinds of stories, especially if we're yeah, trying to do a slightly too. more grown-up fantasy, a political intrigue story. Well, it yeah. just feels it just to me it feels more interesting because it feels like it gives way more space for character growth and for people to make interesting character choices. When you know, like I I agree. I think D and D is it's very in its purest form as like it's classic swords and sorcery, good versus evil you know, based a lot on like Lord of the Rings where you've got the big bad and the forces of good trying to stop the big bad. 
And it's so it's so much more interesting when you put people who want to be good in situations where there is no option that does not hurt someone or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you maintain integrity when you are pushed to make choices that have no purely good outcome? And that is just yeah. such an interesting place to put mm-hmm. people. Yeah. It's, it's um, like the trolley problem, isn't it? I guess in a way. Yeah. You lose somebody yeah. no matter what. Baldur's Gate yeah. 3, actually, spoilers, has elements I was just that. about to say, yeah. it, that does it really well. Yeah. Like, ev- there are so many instances where you can make a choice and you think you're doing the right thing, but guess what? whole bunch of people going to die. Even if you make <laughs> the right choice, mm-hmm. you're still going to have a horrible part of this outcome that is going to feel real icky in some ways. And yeah. it just, it I, I find that much more interesting as well. Um, but, you know, some people want a much more sort of pure straightforward kind of black and white experience um probably not the people who listen to no small roles if they're into it yeah (laughs) (laughs) i think that is interesting though because in those kinds of stories you usually have care i feel like the tone of this show is a lot lighter than what you would normally expect from a story like that like Uh, The tone of Disco Elysium or Fallout New Vegas or Baldur's Gate 3 or a lot of those other stories is much darker and generally heavier Mm -hmm. than No Small Roles tends to be. Uh, So I think it's interesting. Yeah, No Small Roles really has a lovely kind of lightness of touch that keeps it from falling into these really like heavy spaces, which I Mm -hmm. I appreciate as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all these games are incredible, but also they're pretty like grim dark. They can be, <laughs> yeah. A lot of, yeah, with moments of lightness. Yeah, and I, w- I don't think I would describe this as particularly grim. This is not a, this is not a grim show. <laughs> <laughs> no, even though there are some incidents which actually are really grim, like yeah, like they were tortured. Yeah, like, they were tortured, and then they had to torture animals to like get through the horrible yeah. Winthrop maze, yeah. and like steal their souls and then there are all these golems like just yeah i don't know there's some moments where you're like oh this if it were told with a different tone this would be horror but it's not because of the way they present it which is great yeah and i think those moments hit harder because of that Mm. yeah um and i think david in particular has got that brilliant ability to sort of take something that seems quite lighthearted and then all of a sudden turn it on a dime and Mm -hmm. before you know it you kind of think oh actually wow it's taken a very different direction to where you thought you were going perhaps yes and then just flip it back again oh yeah i i think um it's also a credit to the way that they they all work together as a dm and players because i'll always say i think i've said it on this uh show before that even Mm -hmm. though the dm may be the most important individual the most important element to any game is usually going to be the players because uh, there are more players than there are the DM. The players' choices are typically what's going to actually guide the story, especially in a campaign that's this long. You have long stretches. Like, almost every scene is going to have the characters involved. Uh, mm-hmm. And you need they are going to affect the tone every bit as much, if not more, than the DM can. So David yeah. can throw in all these dark, edgy things. But if the cast comes in with a certain lightness of energy, which they do, I think the cast brings a lightness to it where they're yes. even though they they are invested in the situation are taking it seriously. They're not taking it so seriously that things start to get really heavy. Uh, yeah. So yeah. it's really a credit to the whole group. But especially I think the cast 
for lifting uh, the uh, bringing a, a warmth and a lightness to a lot of these yeah. interactions, and then David mm-hmm. oh, responding sure. to that in kind. Yeah, and I have to say, just to bring it slightly more back to the episode we were talking about. Uh, speaking of lightness and and fun, uh, mm-hmm. how, how's Dwayne enjoying Ayland? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's having a good old time. I guess he's a little bit bored, uh, yeah. but he's he's having a good old time. I'm not even honestly, David and I. I just looked it up. I don't think David even uh, Ben did know first of all that I was going to be there. Okay, uh, Ben did know I was going to be there, but I don't think they really gave me any details about what he's been doing there, other than that he's just been chilling. <laughs> he's been chilling, okay. hanging out there doing whatever um presumably we'll find out at some point i assume that Dwayne will appear in the series <laughs> at some point before it's all over uh yeah, even if it's just yes, for please. a cameo yeah yes yeah. please <laughs> yeah um but that was a lot a lot of fun thanks team for bringing me back should we go to the final episode yeah let's do yeah, it yeah let's do it all right this is episode 81 five heads are better uh with orin reappearing on the edge of a lake the party were about to celebrate when they were attacked by the many heads of a hydra. Which, by the way, throw back to episode 79 when they were like, wait, did Orin disturb the water? Uh, and yeah. <laughs> like, oh, definitely. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> that was hilarious. Uh, everyone leapt into action with Juna and Orin flying into the air. Gaius sending shatter spells at each head. And Gwendolyn was swallowed a few times. Uh, and Kidu <laughs> epically sliced his way through the heads just as the party decided it was better to run, and with a tight tactic of Juna dropping Gaius onto Enkidu to teleport him to safety, and a step of the wind from Gwendolyn, all of them escaped the snapping heads. Continuing on their way, Orin recounted all that he had been through in their time apart, and as they settled down for a brief rest, the party explained their journey. Uh, so, right off the bat, uh, this is the first combat we've had since the bugs, I think. Um, yeah. Yep. And I think this was a fun, we got to see more of how not only the characters have gotten more powerful, but how, uh, I, you can see that like in Kidu's, uh, excuse me, that, uh, Daryl's in Kidu build, uh, of like mm-hmm. fighter and warlock had kind of come online by this point. And so he can yeah. do yeah. like a huge burst damage for a single round. Uh, and we're seeing how each of them have gotten more powerful and figured out like some of their new abilities. It was cool. I thought that was a fun yep. little combat. Yeah. Yeah, they were, I think they were leveled up to level 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I have to say, slicing off a Hydra head. Dude. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> what? What is number one rule with Hydras? <laughs> <laughs> well. You see something with multiple that's heads. A fun, that's a fun thing to play, though, isn't it? Is it yeah. as, a, as a player, you know not to do that. But if you've never seen one before as your character. Yeah. Here is an interesting fact about the Hydra. Assuming that uh, David was using the the Hydra from, I, is it the Monster Manual? Let me see. What is this from? Yeah, from the it's basic in the rules. Monster Manual. Yeah. From the basic rules. Uh, if you deal uh, 25 or more damage in a single turn, one of the heads dies automatically Ooh. to the Hydra. So by okay, doing a bunch that. of damage to it at all, he was destined to take off one of its heads. And at the end of its turn, it grows two heads for each of its heads that died since its last turn, unless <laughs> it has taken fire damage since its yep. last turn. Yeah. That's what definitely happened. Yeah. 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 And I don't, I, is most of the group capable of dealing fire damage or is it basically just like Orin and uh, Juna? I'm pretty sure it's just Orin and Juna because I don't think yeah. Gaius has any fire spells he's got shatter which is different obviously that's th- thunder mm-hmm. damage i think yeah um, 
and or is it force damage shatter is uh thunder yeah mm-hmm. and then uh i don't think in- does enkidu he's got like warlock spells and i don't think he might have hellish rebuke possibly well that's a tiefling thing isn't it uh warlocks hellish can get rebuke? it too oh okay cool but he he was out of uh he was out of spell slots after his first turn though that's true yeah, <laughs> yeah. uh the warlock dilemma yeah <laughs> how many spell slots you got two <laughs> yeah he would have just been shooting eldritch blasts for the rest yeah. of the fight yeah which yeah. is not typically uh that's not fire damage yeah 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 so it can be a lot of damage though oh yeah eldritch blast is ridiculously powerful which if you've only got two spell slots very handy <laughs> it was fun to have some combat mm-hmm. it was yeah, really fun we had the first first um not the first fireball of the campaign but the first one dealt by a player as well yay fireball what a great spell which was good fun it is a real fun one <laughs> everyone's favorite <laughs> love it yep yeah um i like as well i'm really enjoying as as it goes on and as you said about daryl's character of enkidu and how he's sort of really leaning into the build of the character i love the amount of detail that he puts into his descriptions of what enkidu's about to do like, i know he obviously has uh, like a martial arts background as well but I just, I find, like, everybody is brilliant. But out of all of them, when it, like, Enkidu's really, really comes through for me every time there is there's combat, I find him absolutely fascinating to listen to. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that's another area where the players really, the players can really add something that the, the DM can sometimes. But it's, I feel like it's different when the players get into it, get into yeah. the descriptions. Mm-hmm. Uh, it adds a different flavor because they're going to describe things a little bit differently than the DM would. Yeah. And it just adds more, it adds more spice to the soup. And it's great. More soup. Yeah. <laughs> Into the soup. Yeah. It's beautiful. Absolutely. A beautiful soup of yeah. people who are just so good with really, you know, it's not just, okay, I roll the dice and I deal damage. It has so much more character and flair to it. Mm-hmm. Like you can tell they're all actors for sure, <laughs> but particularly <I> think, <laughs> when... Dis- when they're describing what they're actually doing like it feels so much more like they are aware of the audience and how sometimes combat you know i, I love you know live play real mm-hmm. p- actual play podcasts and i love stuff like critical role but sometimes i do kind of skip through the combat because yeah it's it doesn't you know there, there's not so much going on in terms yeah. of the excitement so when when you have a bunch of players who manage to make it something you want to listen to that's when you know they're like doing a great job yeah yeah mm-hmm. and that's also a mixture of i think the the dm and the players because the player descriptions add a lot like they add a huge amount yeah but also you need i feel like you need a combat that's number one has some build up uh yeah. that's like th- that's half of the battle if if all of mm. the emotions building up to it are exciting and it's like you have a situation for example where a bunch of people have been transported to this big scary like marshy swampy area they're trying to (laughs) contact a demonologist they don't know what's up and there's a huge lake that is obviously dangerous they've been burned (laughs) by stuff like this before and they are deliberately trying to sneak their way around the lake after having just had a traumatic experience with a bunch of insect larvae and stuff there's all this like build up and then suddenly (gasps) their friend is back oh 
boy. Like there's excitement, but then, oh no, touch the yeah. water. Uh-oh. Like that's like a fun little yeah. setup to get you, that gives you an initial boost of adrenaline into a combat yeah. where you're like, yeah. And then a Hydra pops out. Whoa, big scary <laughs> yeah. monster with a bunch of heads. Wow, what's yeah. this going to be like? Like that gives you a lot, but then you what you need to do is not have like, two hours of just like all right so i'm gonna attack the hydra okay yeah. cool uh that was uh was, does it does a 19 hit uh 19 hits yes okay cool um it starts right, to sound like going through the motions God, 11 it? damage yes yeah. it's, yeah. it's that drives me nuts i hate that so much yeah. I'm like if i wanted to hear you just read out numbers i would not be listening to dungeons and dragons yeah. i would be listening to the shipping report yeah sure <laughs> like <laughs> Like, come on, people. Yeah. It's not what this is about. It's about, like, the you know, the, the rules and the numbers are there, at least in my opinion, to simulate the action that is actually happening. Mm -hmm. And that's what the focus should be. Yeah. yeah. Is the rules are trying to recreate something, mm -hmm. not let's focus on these numbers now. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, that build up is also, it's like all that scene setting and getting you so ready to, to like like oh my god what's gonna happen like mm -hmm. edge of your seat kind of stuff yeah. it's so great and that kind of bait and switch of like ah something's happening oh my god it's orange oh no it's a monster that <laughs> yeah. sort of whiplash between yeah. ah, oh god like it's just yeah it really brings yeah energy well, to something that can feel very flat an example if you just say okay the hydra because on the on the on the actual stat block the hydra just bites that's its only attack it just bites. Okay. But if you say the Hydra bites, it's like, oh, the Hydra bites at you. Oh, it does a 21 hit? Yes, it does. Okay, that deals 11 points of slashing or piercing damage. And they're like, oh, man, that's different than mm -hmm. like the Hydra's head darts out at you. Mm -hmm. uh, sl you know, slobber trailing in the wind. It clamps down on your body. Gwendolyn is now pinned inside of its jaws. And now people are like, oh, no, what's going to happen to Gwen? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like that's exactly. more important than like she just took 11 points of piercing damage. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that's exactly yeah. They do a great job, I think, of dramatizing the combats beyond just like going through the motions, which yeah. can get pretty dull. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and I think that that's one of the advantages actually of um, theater of the mind because you need yeah. to describe it in more detail to visualize it. Whereas in the case of Critical Role, they're using minis, so there's you've got less the battle of map, you've got the minis. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. there's yeah. less of an incentive to describe how everything's gonna go. Yeah. In yeah. detail. Because you could just kind of see it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it seems to be only, you know, when in that particular show, when they have a particular move or like score a certain type of hit, then they describe it a bit more realistically. Mm -hmm. But there is a kind of like, it, it does become a lot about like the set and the minis, which is cool in its own way, but also as someone sort of watching, um, it's why I prefer to watch the YouTube of it rather than listen to the audio sure. because yeah. whenever combat comes up yeah. I'm kind of like well I can't see the battle map so it just sounds like people going over here no over here by behind this one yeah. oh Where yeah, is yeah, here? yeah okay <laughs> oh wow that's yeah. so cool yeah it is yeah. isn't it okay but what is it mm -hmm. <laughs> what's happening <laughs> I can't see anything and I do yeah I think there is something really to be said about that theater of the mind and I when I DM, I tend to have like very, very low tech battle maps as in like scrawled on a piece of paper just so that like distance and which enemy is attacking whom mm -hmm. is able to be more easily kept track of. But I so much prefer the everyone having to pitch in to describe yeah. and set the scene 
to bring it to life and to actually see what's going on um and it yeah it just feels way more yeah fun and and vibrant i think it makes for, part of the world yeah i think it makes for more more interesting storytelling as well just overall because everybody has a slightly different picture of that in their head and that's where you get almost those negotiations of well how far can i move and then oh i can't do that maybe i'll do this instead and whereas if it's all visually laid out for you you don't really get that kind of conversational can i do this can i not do this yeah it's much more kind of directional and and sort of less inventive i guess mm. Mm. Yeah. Also, can I just say, love the fact they all decided to run away. I don't think we have yes. enough of that in, in D&D. Yep. Like with D&D, it really feels like, no, we have to finish this fight. We're in a fight. We're going to finish it until we're the last <laughs> one standing. Whereas actually, I tend to forget that run away is a perfectly good option. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. very much should be utilized. Yeah. So that felt very real as well. The mm. idea that they would encounter this enormous monster and rather than like, pushing themselves to be these like heroic adventurers battling it out to the end they were like fuck guys it's too hard let's just go let's bounce <laughs> we, don't they, got time we can't we can't yeah. we haven't got time for this we're not gonna we've just recovered from horrible bug surgery we have to go <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and look we don't know that the hydra's bad it's just here we don't know honestly we don't know why the hydra's here yeah uh what it's is hungry. it Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, Orin's Gwendolyn's. Clearly, yeah, it, it eats people trying to see to, to see the demonologist. Yeah. That's how it's able yeah. to thrive. Um, but I did want to also highlight uh, one other thing that jumped out at me this episode was the fact that in a normal in a normal game, you well, no, actually, no. Most of the time, when there's been like some exposition given to a PC, they can just say, "Oh, I relay all of that to the rest of the characters." Mm. But the after the fight, the bulk of this episode is exposition between yeah, characters, the catch telling each other stuff that the audience already knows, mm -hmm. which is very interesting for, because that's in like, if, if you're doing like a TV show, you wouldn't have that scene. You would mm. just cut that scene and be like, they interact. And the only part of that that you would have shown really would have been like the new information, which yeah. would be the note that Gwendolyn reads. Because mm -hmm. that's the only thing that we haven't heard. But in the context of this game, uh, they the people genuinely don't know the information. So you actually, like the, the actors don't know the information so that you actually have to have their, the characters talk about it. But yeah. that adds another aspect to it where the the you now hear how the character actually relays this information. And if there are bits and pieces left out or how it's colored will then yeah. affect how everyone responds to it which yeah. I find very interesting in and of itself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I love, I just love the reveal of, Orin, you met my mum. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. What are you talking about? You met my mum. <laughs> no. <laughs> did we, did we, the just audience, realize? brilliant. Just a brilliant moment. We, the yeah, audience, we knew. knew. Yeah, that, mm -hmm. they, that that was, because. Yeah. Yeah, because Gwen the and Juno scryed first, on yes. on Sigrid. They scryed on Gwen's mum, yeah. and then Orin was there, and they're like, "Oh my god!" But Orin had no idea, yeah. so yeah. there was this whole like, "Does he know? He doesn't know it's Gwen's mum." Oh my god! Oh my god! And then it's like, "What are they going to tell him? Is he going to know? Is he going to figure it? Like what?" Yeah. So just just such a fun thing, even though we already all know what it was. It was nice to hear, and that's. It's quite a novel thing, actually, isn't it? For the audience to be, certainly in the timeline of things, for the audience to be a step ahead of a character. Mm -hmm. That's quite, like, I, I don't know if we've had that before, certainly in this campaign, when we've been like, ah, I know who that is. True. 
Because they don't split the party to that extent no. most of the time. Yeah. No. I think this is the first time. I wonder if they're going to do a similar thing for uh, Enkidu. Because Daryl, in real life, as of the, this recording, is currently in the United States. So I'm wondering yeah. if he's unavailable for recordings at the moment uh, with his show Yippie Ki Yay. Um, <laughs> so yeah. I'm wondering if we'll have a similar thing for Enkidu at some point where Enkidu experiences stuff and then comes back and tells the rest of the group and we have another conversation about that. I think everybody should have their own mini adventure occasionally. That'd be good. Yeah. Yeah. That would be really cool to yeah. see what happened. Or little prequel episodes. Oh, yeah. Or like side things like, oh, yeah, this was happening just during, you know, during some of the downtime, the adventure. Yeah. This person went off and did kind of a side thing. Yeah. Uh, oh, I love a side quest. I mean, I expect Juno scries on everybody all the time. We only see the ones we, we you know, we're allowed to see. Yes. I love the idea that Juno's just always watching what all yep. the other people are doing. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, but have y'all ever done like a one-on-one uh, D&D session? No. Or TTRPG session in general? Mm-hmm. Um, no. I did as DM once for someone, it was like half a session mm-hmm. okay. so that they could kind of, it was either to bring them into a campaign or it was because they'd gone off and done something. And it was really cool then when they rejoined or joined to have them come in and have all this information and me as the DM be like, are they going to say it? Are they going to say, oh, no, they're not going to. Oh, but they are going to say that. Oh, and it just mm-hmm. very fun to see what people choose to reveal, to give. Because mm-hmm. like, you know, you can give people a little bit of a law dump and be like, OK, here you go. And then you can see how much of this is actually going to make it to the rest of the party. Mm. Yep. And sometimes it's really annoying when it doesn't. And you're like, I was really hoping you would tell them that. Now <laughs> yeah. I have to think of a different way. <laughs> <laughs> I think that those those kinds of games allow both the, 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 the player and the DM or GM to like drill in more to the characterization and like what's actually going on with these people like the fewer the fewer characters you have to deal with the more you can explore the characters you have so you can end up in just a short amount of time getting to discover a whole lot about your pcs because it's like well the story is all about you and how you engage with stuff and i've i've run a few one-on-one sessions before and a lot of times they're some of my favorite ones uh especially if it's like part of a larger campaign and you just do like a side thing with it's one-on-one uh it feels really special and it's like whoa and then and like you said you then go back and it's like nobody knows exactly what all the everybody else's characters have been up to uh but there's like a reunion and it's like oh this person has kids now whoa oh that person (laughs) is like that person nearly caused an international incident whoa that person (laughs) has a bird a a budding romance perhaps with their what the person who used to be their worst enemy whoa like that kind of (laughs) stuff yeah yeah oh i remember i had a really great one where it was um i was running curse of strad and each of the player characters had an individual session where they met strad and uh, strad von zarevich and so he made them offers and told them all different things trying to pit them against each other um great fun also super fun to role play someone like evil as hell Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. really psychologically mess with the characters and then see the aftermath so they all suddenly went from being this really close-knit bonded group to suddenly there was these fractures appearing that had been seeded by the the evil guy (laughs) and it was like are they going to cotton on to that's exactly what he wanted Mm -hmm. or are they or are they actually kind of taking the bait 
So that was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Roleplay is an evil vampire lord who likes to mess with people. That's yeah. my advice. <laughs> anyway, I would totally listen to that with the uh, the Abrica lads, like some one-on-ones for each of them. Yeah. That would be cool. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Even in the snippets we get, like, you know, the episodes where they like go off shopping and doing stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking about when they were all getting gifts for each other and Gaius just was like, I'm going to go off and steal stuff and yeah. mm-hmm. pretend to forge, be and forge signatures yeah. and make consequences happen like yeah. even that as a tiny snippet like 20 minutes mm-hmm. was so good yeah I yeah. think I think it would. I'm just going to throw this out as an as an idea. Mm-hmm. If y'all ever have scheduling issues in the future, that could be a fun thing where it's like, yeah. well, this person's available. Let's go do like like Pip suggested a prequel or something that happens during the series where we didn't really know what their character was up to. We just drill in more uh, as to what's what they are up to in their inner thoughts and inner lives. I think that would be really cool. Yeah, yeah. Orin and his great. mystery crush. Mm. Yes, yep. that's true. Just, just yep. saying. Speaking of mystery crushes, yes, I did want to say before we wrap this up, uh, I, 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 because the note did take up a, a little bit of time, I did mm-hmm. want to at least highlight that we do have a little bit of what appears to be a burgeoning love triangle uh, yes, occurring we do. with uh, Enkidu, Dwayne, and Gwendolyn. Oh uh, my god, I love it so much. Yeah. Uh, I was, I had never heard Grace's response to it before, so I was interested to hear that, like, the implication of when, or when she heard uh, that Petra had, like, possessed Dwayne and was inside of his body, yeah. her response was like, oh, no, because uh, yeah. I had forgotten that Petra, like, straight up propositioned Dwayne yeah. at the end yeah. of the previous, and Dwayne was like, I'm sure Gwendolyn will probably be fine with it, ah. yeah. <laughs> and then Gwendolyn's like, oh, uh, okay. Right, well, uh, <laughs> this episode was like, oh, no. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And I think we were talking in the last Superfan chats about how Dwayne's been around for a while. He's He probably is like, I'll try it. I'll try some stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, thousand, I'm over a thousand years old or however old he is or, yeah. you know, close yeah. to a thousand years, whatever it is. Like, you got a lot of time to try things. Yeah. Um, but also talking about how Enkidu is like such a Mr. Darcy type. A hundred percent. Like that repressed, like, ah, I love it. I love the love triangle, I think. I can't wait to see how it goes. Yeah. Obviously I've been on I've been on Team Gwenkidu since probably episode six. Mm-hmm. But ah, Dwayndolin, it's getting to me. <laughs> now I'm like, oh no. Yeah. It's a bit like uh it's a bit like Mr. Darcy versus Jack Sparrow. Uh, in that, like, <laughs> these are your two options. Wow. Are, like, they're both yeah, writing you, they're, like, choose. one of them is, weirdly, not Mr. Darcy, uh, is writing you, like, love letters, and then you have Mr. Darcy yeah. there, like, well, I'm training you in the ways of the blade. Uh, yeah. Both... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting uh, dichotomy. Well, if we resolve nothing else this campaign, it needs to be that. <laughs> yeah, and if Mr. Darcy were also like, I might be a demon or a robot, I don't know. Yes. <laughs> Possibly both. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what a what a fun little, very varied trio of episodes. Yeah, mm-hmm. they really were. They really were. Yeah. Do we have yeah. any favorite moments to to wrap up with? Hmm. Or, or unanswered questions that we haven't yet covered very quickly? One of my favorites is that Orin met Gwendolyn's mom. I just think that's such a <laughs> cool thing because everything to do yeah. with Gwendolyn's mom has been so vague and distant and such like mm. a mystery that for one of the characters to just straight up meet her and not have, he has no idea it's her and the yeah. other characters are like, ha ah! in the background yeah. <laughs> as he's doing it. I think that's such a cool idea. I really, that really like cool that. One. Yeah. Yeah. 
That was awesome. I don't know about unanswered questions. I think I've kind of put all my my questions and theories out there. But favorite moments. I do think it is Dwayne and Oren meeting and Dwayne just being so <laughs> blank on who Oren is. Just like, sorry, who are you again? Yeah. Like it was so funny to me. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> like, ah, yes, you. <laughs> just it was so relatable and so enjoyable yeah. as a moment. I just loved it. Yeah. I really loved it. Slightly After awkward. all the sort of the all the law dump and the Gwen's mom and the Petra body weirdness and the <laughs> figuring out the political stuff and and then it's like, oh, that guy. Uh, cool. <laughs> How have you been yeah. since you murdered some horses? <laughs> yeah. That was definitely inspired at least partly by um, if you've ever seen the Family Guy uh, Star Wars movies yes. that they did, the Star Wars adaptations. Blue, Blue I think it, yeah, but it was with the second or third one okay. where Han Solo straight up can't remember C-3PO's name because he never says it. Like, I don't think he <laughs> ever says his name in the, in the movies. Okay. Uh, and so yeah. in the in the thing, he's like, this is, uh, this is, uh, this is Sarge here. <laughs> and he's like, what? It was yeah. sort of like that. Hey there, chief. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you. Oh, it's you. 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 <laughs> you old rascal. Yeah. I, Dwayne, am really excited to see you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was Yeah, that fun. was definitely a favorite moment of mine, I think. Just just fun. Just really fun. I think mine it was like a, a small little one, but in the episode seventy nine when they were in the grove, I really enjoyed Gwen trying to ask questions to the carving of Sylvae mm. and then it resulting in the apple falling on the head. And we could talk a, a whole lot more about the implications of that and whether that means anything at all or if it's just David playing with Grace and going, yeah, an yeah. apple fell on your head. It is what it is. Of course, mm -hmm. that means nothing. It's just an apple or it might it might be like the key to unlocking everything. We just don't know. Yeah. And then Gwen's like, oh, well, it's quite a nice apple, but I did get hit on the head. What yeah, does it mean? exactly. It's yeah. like, is it worth the risk? It's however you want to take it. Yeah. It's yeah. always worth the risk sitting under a tree when an apple falls on your head. Sure. <laughs> maybe you'll discover so gravity. Great. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe it's, yeah. maybe it's a magic <laughs> apple. Very true. Apparently, what? well, Gwen couldn't discern whether it was. Seemed yeah. seemed normal. I mean, I, kind of, I had her. like half sort of Isaac Newton vibes and half like is it snow white with the with the poisoned apple yeah like, <laughs> yes my head yeah. went to both places instantly and i was like this could go either way <laughs> yeah yeah one or the other uh, or baby just both. collapses yeah, yeah. The next i know that would have been awful <laughs> yeah oh my god she's got her bug scars she's eating a poisoned apple yeah, yeah. gwen's just not straight up not having a great time no. <laughs> <laughs> bless her <laughs> oh, i really can't wait to see what happens next i'm so excited it feels like we're getting closer to some real exciting question answering yeah unlocking mm. some more happening. things for Enkidu certainly yeah yeah secrets secrets revealed please please I have heard that there's a lot of wildness and excitement uh not far around the corner that oh, is what I, I have heard. heard that too mm -hmm. that there's something coming that is like big deal yeah. so I'm I'm pretty stoked yeah um and hopefully if you're a member of the Patreon you'll get it just a little bit earlier Ooh, yes. as well as other cool stuff yeah Good plug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And with that, uh, should we go ahead and wrap up this this installment of Superfan Chats? I think we should. Yeah. Yeah. It's been so fun. Yeah. And 
I'm excited for I'm excited for the next few episodes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, we'll see you at some point in the future. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, let us <laughs> let us know what you thought in the Discord. If you're not part of the Discord, join it. It's fun. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of fun community getting built there. Uh, but we'll see you yeah, all next good. time for more super fan chats. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.